Hello, Snakescast listeners. Just before we get into this week's episodes, I just wanted to say very quickly that we are not going to be talking about trick-taking games as we had planned to. Uh, that is a topic that we very much want to have Jonathan in for, and unfortunately he was unable to be here today for the recording session. So in the meantime, we are going to be discussing games and gaming with non-verbal components, and we will be back to trick-taking games next week. But for now, on with this week's show. Welcome to the Snakes Cast. It's Monday. I'm David, and with me today we have Margaret Hild and special guest Rebecca Perry. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey. Hey, how are you? Good, thank you. And today we are going to be talking about games and teaching games that have a non-verbal component or teaching without speaking, essentially. So uh, let's get on with that. <laughs> And before we start off, just a quick introduction of Rebecca here. Rebecca is an actor, a board game enthusiast, and also a teacher, and has had some experience of teaching particularly children who are non-verbal for a variety of reasons, uh, and so is an ideal person to join us on this podcast. And yeah, let's get going. So we're talking here about games that have a non-verbal component for Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be our topic of the day. And what are we talking about with this? What kind of games do we have on that list? Well, we're largely talking about games that either require um, no language component at all, uh, either reading or speaking, or have sort of one or the other. Magic Maze, for example, um, is a game that involves... uh, You're essentially... How many superheroes? Four? Four. Four superheroes Mm -hmm. uh, roving around... In the mall. (laughs) Yeah, an abandoned mall um, trying to reclaim their stolen weapons. And it's a cooperative game, but you cannot speak. All you can do is tap this little red icon on the table if you need another person to do something. And you can't indicate who you need to do something, and you can't indicate what you need them to do. You can indicate who. You can indicate who. You can. You, you put oh, the you red thing in front, in front of, of something. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So right. you can at least direct your energy towards one person. Exactly. Right. But there's definitely a lot of like nervous eyebrows going while playing this game for sure. Yeah. And um, what's so great about this one in terms of its nonverbal thing is everybody in the game can do one or maybe two things. And it's literally you can move someone south. And that's the only thing you can do all game. Mm-hmm. And so you're just constantly looking for opportunities to move someone south, right? Yeah. And then mm-hmm. if someone's banging it, the red thing in front of you it's like ah something needs to go south and I don't know what (laughs) this game reminds me of the expression too many cooks in the kitchen because you're all looking at each other like I really hope you can telepathically understand what I need you to do Um, but at the same time each person does have a clearly defined role like whether it is moving north south or um, uh, you can also jump as well right you can it's, move up the escalators yes, thank you. or teleport people around. That's what I mean. And what's the other? There's one more thing. Oh, you can discover the new tiles as well. So it's nice because everyone does have a role, but you really do need to work cohesively. Mm-hmm. And very focused. I find mm-hmm. it's it's a game that you definitely don't want to just sort of have, you know, be playing in the background of anything else. Like if you sit down to play this game, you have to do nothing but play this game with all of the energy you have. Absolutely. A hundred percent focus because it's happening in real time. Yeah. So that's a really fascinating component is that it's really like it was it's exhausting. Yeah. By the time you <laughs> get tired to the end because you're all just so concentrated and by the time you gel as a group, it's really satisfying to play. But yeah, it's definitely not an easy like, oh, is it my turn now? I guess I'll just think about this some more while everybody else talks around me. No. 
do the thing. It's only one thing you have to do. It's true. I only play that with like serious board gaming friends, not friends that are like, oh, let's go do this for fun. I'm like, we need your focus. Friend. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's also it occurs to me it's a good thing because focus, you're also focusing on one thing. You're not having to learn multiple roles. So from a That's point true. of view of teaching this to someone who <laughs> is maybe deaf or is unable to sort of communicate fully, which is something we're coming on to on Wednesday. This is also ideal, right? Because you literally just need to say to somebody, you can move things down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, they've learned their role. Um, I will say I find the the tapping element to be very distressing just for myself. Yeah. So if you're dealing with anyone who is prone to sensory overload, it might not be a good game. Just because it's it is a very like the more adamant people are, the faster they tap it, and yes. it, it got me to a point where I just had to say, "Stop it! I need to actually figure out what you want me to do. If you keep doing that, I'm not going to be able to figure it out." Hmm. So yeah, that's one sort of for sure. I think also people yeah. that don't uh, I think sensory overload is a good point because also like we just said, it is very hectic and multiple people could be trying to communicate with you at the same time if there are two different scenarios going on. Mm -hmm. So it is important to sort of know your boundaries with this game. Mm -hmm. That's true. Another one... Yeah. I was just going to say... Mysterium is another one that comes to mind and one that I really enjoy playing. And much calmer. It is much calmer because it really is... um, It's it's another kind of focus because you need to really examine everything you're given, especially because you are essentially trying to make clues for yourself you're given these two abstract cards that could mean a whole bunch of things and so you need to go okay why would the person who's leading mysterium give these cards to me and this is an interesting Mm. variation right because there's one person in this game who can't speak yes but you could in theory actually play the rest of the game without speaking at all by gesturing and you know i'm trying to draw your attention to this color i'm going to point at the color and indicate what i think i'm referring to Mm -hmm. but there is one person who cannot speak do you want to just mm-hmm. give us a little run through of how Mysterium works so people know what kind sure. of Sure. So Mysterium, to? the idea in Mysterium is that one person in the game, in the game, it's a cooperative game, and one person is dead, and they are trying to lead all the other people at the table who are psychic detectives or psychically attuned detectives to their killer. And they do this by essentially playing Clue and trying to get you to find a person, a room, and an object. And they do that by playing Dixit. In the sense that they are handing out cards that have these abstract images that reference something. Yeah. And they are not allowed to say anything. The ghost doesn't speak for pretty much the entire game, except for at the end of each round where you reveal whether the guesses are correct or not, and they can say yes or no. Um, But when they're handing out the cards, they just give you the card, and it's up to you to determine what that card means. So Mm -hmm. this card has a lot of pink in it. It's got a lot of round things. It's got a lot of sharp things. Uh, It's also got a field. uh, It's got a wolf in the background, and there's a couple of trees. You have no idea which of those things the ghost is trying to lead you to. Mm. And so you then have this fascinating interpretation of trying to understand what the salient point is mm-hmm. and it's you know it's lots of round things well that person works with clocks and, and oh and they're all wheels and they have spokes so that could be a clock but also this person over here has a bunch of pink in the background and that person over there uh, is clearly a hunter so maybe you're looking at the animal and this discussion that happens around the table this is the bit I'm saying could be done by gestures you know mm-hmm. I'm pointing at the wolf and then mm-hmm. I'm pointing at the hunter it's going to hopefully be fairly obvious what I'm getting at right but that ghost just has to sit there 
And there is a verbal component in the sense that they can listen mm. and they take in what other people at the table are saying. But that role where you're not allowed to speak is mm-hmm. such an interesting part of this game. Yeah, I also find that uh, depending on the personality of the ghost, who whomever it is, if you know them very well, you can sort of factor in how they as a human think and analyze things because that will have a lot to do with what they're giving you. Mm-hmm. So another way to continue the sort of uh, making it nonverbal is that okay, if I'm playing with you, I know that you like analyzing things this way, so maybe you gave me this card because it had a specific object that would lead me to a specific profession or one of the specific rooms you have to choose. Or maybe they gave you that card because they know you think in a certain way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is reminding me a lot of concept. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is a really excellent challenge if you're playing with people you know or people you don't know because it's basically charades with emoji. So yeah. there's no, for people who have issues with worrying about looking silly in front of people or acting things out and dancing around, my mother hates that. Oh, really? She loves concept because I come from a family that really enjoys not just trivia, but like getting people to guess things. Yeah. From little clues that you can give. I gave this gift uh, to my parents for Christmas and we would go downstairs to start the fire and you know dad had left maybe two little breadcrumbs of clues on the board (laughs) and then we'd go down later that day there'd be a few more little clues and something had changed around and then by the time we were eating dinner he'd say so did anyone guess (laughs) (laughs) oh that's cute yeah um so yeah it's a it's a really lovely way of still enjoying all of the fun elements of charades without Mm -hmm. the time limit and without any sort of social anxiety element to it. This That's comes awesome. into the realm of one of those board games where you just throw out the scoring because it's a bunch of rubbish and you just play it for fun. The light yeah. bulbs make excellent fridge magnets. Oh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's curious about what we mean by like you playing charades with emojis, if you I just checked if you Google concept game board uh, and just look at the images, mm-hmm. the first whole bunch of images is just a, the pictures of this board, and you'll get an, an idea of what we're talking about here. Yeah, I quite enjoy that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that I actually like playing with my family is um, Queen Domino or King Domino. It's an excellent game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really brings people together. There's sort of, yes, you're in competition, but there's also that sort of fun element of like, oh, darn, you just grabbed the tile I needed. Really now I've got to rethink my strategy. Yeah. I'm going to take all your sheep now. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, King Domino is definitely one of those games where it is you don't need language to play it, but no. it's... It really lends itself well to conversation among the group. Absolutely. And and it leads to a lot of sort of like wondering out loud of like, yeah. oh, darn, now where am I going to put that? And, oh, I don't know. And, you know, you're counting in your head and you're trying to figure out, you know, should I just make this corner completely inaccessible yeah. for the rest of the game? What do I do? It requires a little less focus than something like Maze, per se. Like, you can enjoy conversation, or you can also retreat into your own bubble and sort of really critically examine what you should be doing Mm -hmm. with what's happening on the board and who's grabbing what tiles. I also find that what's so nice, too, is King Domino is such an excellent introduction to the structure of the game, and then you can ease people into Queen Domino as well. Yeah. Queen Domino would be tricky. I think it would be tricky to introduce to someone if they haven't been familiar with King Domino. I agree. Um, yeah, I think it's so. it's an added level of it's it's basically like King Domino 
factorial. Yeah. Um, it's It has a lot more elements to it and a lot more scoring components and... There's a lot to keep track of. There's a lot to keep track of. Bigger jump than I expected the first time I played it, that's for mm-hmm. sure. Anyway, there's an interesting sort of selection of games there from a variety of difficulties and a variety of kind of hobby involvement levels, if you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to come back on Wednesday when we're going to talk about teaching games without speaking. We kind of touched on that a little bit today, but we're going to focus on games that if you have somebody who has communication difficulties, is deaf, whatever it happens to be, I can take this game over and I can teach you to play it. No problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So join us on Wednesday and we will have a chat about that. See you then. Mm-hmm.